Guys, I am so excited to today be continuing our theme for November 2020 on food. We have had some incredible episodes, our past two on food sensitivities, the number one lie about food that I hate, and how to regain trust in food again, even when it has caused you to lose your trust in it. If you have not heard those episodes yet, I would strongly encourage you to go check them out. They are filled with heart and information and hopefully a good dose of encouragement. But today, I'm having a very special guest, Whitney Morgan, onto the Better Belly podcast. Whitney is a founder of Morgan Nutrition, and she is the creator of the Gluten Gauntlet System, a system to help you go gluten-free in five weeks or less. She is a gluten-free warrior and a fierce functional health coach. She helps women repair the damage that years of gluten exposure have done to their health. And in almost a decade of working with gluten-sensitive and celiac clients, Whitney has seen firsthand that reversing and even healing your gluten-related disorders requires much more than just not eating gluten. (laughs) As Whitney likes to say, going gluten-free is like putting out the fire when your house is burning down. It's the obvious first step, but you're left with a whole lot of damage when the smoke clears. I am so excited for you each to get to hear on Whitney's amazing information, her amazing story, and what she has learned about our health system and why you You can go 20 years, which is how long Whitney went, before getting a true celiac diagnosis. I know it might sound hard to believe, but you will have to listen in to hear exactly how the doctors missed her celiac disease even after testing. Are you ready to dive in? I hope you are. Let's get going. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. Thank you for listening to the Better Belly Podcast. Just a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make changes. All right, guys, today we have Whitney Morgan on the Better Belly Podcast, and I am so excited to have her on. She has been an instructor to me. She has given me guidance, and I got to meet her through our functional diagnostic nutrition business and just the overall company. As soon as I met her, I thought, you know, she has such a wealth of knowledge. She is a gluten expert. She has an <laughs> acupuncturist. And Whitney Morgan, welcome to the Better Belly Podcast. Thank you, Allison. I'm so excited to be here. It's so much fun. Yes. So just to start off for our listeners, can you tell us what do you do and who do you do it for? Sure. Well, um, as you said, I'm a, I'm a licensed acupuncturist and I do dabble in acupuncture, but mostly I'm a functional nutrition consultant and 
I kind of think of myself as a gluten-free warrior. You know, I'm really focused in the gluten-related disorder world, and I work mostly with women who have collected one, two, three or more autoimmune diseases, and some of them already know that they have a gluten sensitivity or celiac disease kind of at the root, Uh but many of them don't. But that's what I help women to untangle is to get control of their gluten-related disorder, which is typically autoimmune in nature, and to really dominate their gluten-free life because there's just so much misinformation out there and the kind of advice that we get typically from nutritionists and medical doctors just doesn't go far enough. And so that's, that's my passion. Yeah. I mean, even hearing you re-say all that, and I already know what you do, I just mm-hmm. boggles my mind because one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is there's this huge movement of like gluten-free and like, like it's cool and we're kind of noticing gluten. Maybe it doesn't make right. us feel as good as we need to, but like you bring such like a depth, like you work with people who already know they have gluten problems, which just mm-hmm. tells me like there must be something more going on other than just like oh, yeah. reading labels. Um, and then you work with people who don't know that they have gluten problems. And I've heard you say this before that there's actually, um, you can test like, for example, gluten, not sensitive, but wheat sensitive, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, where the disconnect is in terms of the traditional paradigm of what we think of as gluten sensitivity or celiac disease is that it really does stem from celiac disease testing and celiac disease awareness. Now, celiac disease definitely is a gluten-related disorder, but it's very, very specific. It's a singular autoimmune disease that occurs in the gut. But gluten sensitivity can be at the root of so many other pathologies, and there are no gut symptoms whatsoever. And some of those pathologies may not have to deal with gluten specifically, but with the non-gluten parts of wheat. But even our language has become so focused around gluten. You know, everything Mm. is gluten-free, right? Right. Well, wheat gets kind of missed in this conversation. And you can have a completely gluten-free food, and it's still not good for that gluten-sensitive person because most gluten-sensitive people are wheat-sensitive as well, and they're mm. not the same thing. So it's kind of confusing. It takes a little while and a little bit of education to wrap your brain around it. Right. I'm so glad that you've done that. Um, what's, what? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm, I mean, it's not my specialty, which is just so mm. fascinating. There's so much depth and layers. What kind of things drives women? You say you work with a lot of women who end up maybe having multiple autoimmune disorders. So I'm imagining they already like are aware that they are trying to be healthy, but what are some of the symptoms they are experiencing that drives them to work with you by the time they're, they're with you? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a laundry list. And the problem in my business is it's, it's difficult to get your arms around everything because the symptoms are just so diverse. It could be Um, you know, joint pain, anything in the joints, anything in the brain. So neurological symptoms, anxiety, depression, um, bipolar, panic disorders, schizophrenia. I mean, you name it, you know, dementia. And and then anything in the joints, the musculoskeletal system, anything in the skin. um, It's the whole entire body. So infertility is another one, you know, that that most people don't think of. So if women, if anyone out there has difficulty getting pregnant or has a history of unexplained miscarriages, one of the first things that they should do is be evaluated for gluten sensitivity because it's, it's just such a common correlation. 
but it hasn't really trickled down into the mainstream awareness in the medical community. So the women I work with have a very common experience. They've been to this specialist and that specialist. And so they go see a lot of different practitioners and they collect different diagnoses along the way, Mm. but no one's connecting the dots between all of these things. And that's exactly what happened to me. So oh, yeah, tell, tell me more. I, I actually don't yeah. know your story a ton, I, but I do know you have this, you told me you have this expertise because you went through the fire. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. Tell, what's your yeah. story? So when, let's see, about a year after um, my daughter was born, I developed psoriasis and um, I didn't know what it was at the time, got my diagnosis. They gave me some steroid cream, went on my way. But before that, in my twenties, I started having anxiety attacks and um, panic attacks in the middle of the night. And of course, you know, that was, okay, well, Xanax, we'll, we'll fix that, right? So, so by the time um, my daughter is one, I've got chronic anxiety and panic disorder, and now I have oh. psoriasis. Then I developed um, Hashimoto's. And then eventually, um, a few years later, I was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis, oh my which gosh. is... For your listeners who don't know, it's an extraordinarily painful bladder autoimmune disease. I mean, you're in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In your bladder. (laughs) In your bladder. I mean, think about the worst bladder infection you've ever had. Right. It's a very sensitive tissue. Oh, yes. Magnify that by 10 and it's constant. I mean, constant. You know, so the turning point for me was, and I came from a really traditional medical family. Everyone in my family is doctors and nurses and all of that. So in my family, you don't go to the GP, you go to the specialist, right? You go to the cream of the crop, top dude, and they're the ones who are going to get the job done. So I went to specialist after specialist and then eventually wound up in this um, urologist's office and he was the head of the department. And he was the one that gave me my diagnosis of interstitial cystitis. I was sitting in there in his office um, in my little paper gown. And he, he says to me, yeah, okay, so nothing can be done. There is no cure. Your pain is going to get worse. We can try to manage that. But you should probably join a, a support group. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, who says that? So at that moment, it was kind of this wake-up call for me. I mean, literally, Allison, I had this experience where I heard every cell in my body scream, no. I mean, it was like a symphony, you know, it's like hearing voices. And (laughs) I walked out of that office and I was like, no, I'm sorry. That is not my future. I just, I'm not going to accept that. And that kind of, you know, pushed me off of this path of traditional medicine. And that's when I started to really dive into alternative medicine. And and I went to see a naturopath. I started getting acupuncture, changing my diet, doing a lot of my own research. And then I went to acupuncture school. Um, And then when I graduated acupuncture school, I found the functional diagnostic nutrition certification. I did that. And I have to say, it's just transformed my health. I don't have interstitial cystitis anymore. I don't have it. That's amazing. And it is amazing because it's almost unheard of. If I went to a doctor today, they say, oh yeah, you still have it. It's just in remission. But no, I can tell you, balls to bones, I do not have it, right? It's not in my body. So it wasn't until after, actually, after my diagnosis of IC that by a fluke, just 
because I thought that I might have a little bit of an ulcer or something. I was studying really hard and really stressed out. So I went to see a GI doctor, again, another specialist, and he said, you know, let's just go ahead and do a colonoscopy, endoscopy, and you know, just check you out. I'm yeah, sure fine. a lot so of our stress, listeners. Let's do it. Right. A lot of yeah. our listeners are familiar with those two. <laughs> exactly. And so I woke up from that procedure and he's sitting next to me and he's like, I can't believe it. You have celiac disease. I had never had a GI symptom in my life, Allison, not one day. So I get this diagnosis. And it's like, okay, now all of the pieces start to fall together for me. And I then started going down this path of, let me see the connections between this underlying celiac disease that was silently progressing through my body for decades and all of these other diagnoses that I've collected. You know, is there a connection? Okay. Now, my medical doctors said, no, there's no, no, they're different, right? Different systems, different, no, these are completely different things, but they're not. And I've learned that myself, and I've learned it over and over again in my clinical practice with women. They're not different. All of these autoimmune diseases are connected, and they don't all have to be connected to celiac disease, but 95% of the time, they're all connected to the gut. There are so many questions flowing through my head right now. One of them yeah. is, I'm really curious, when you went to see the naturopath, um, I know they work often work with diet. Did they, or even, I don't even care if they suggested it, did you go mm-hmm. gluten or wheat-free when you were healing yourself in that time period? No, I, I didn't get that directive from anybody. What I stumbled upon was a therapeutic diet called the, the body ecology diet. Are you okay. familiar with that? No. Tell okay. Us. Well, it's, I mean, basically you eliminate, it's, it's got some acid alkaline things to it, but okay. fundamentally the reason why it worked for me is because it did eliminate gluten. It only had, there were a couple of grains that were approved, quinoa and millet. Those okay. are the, the two approved grains, but even then you could only have them in moderation and particular proportions with other foods. So, so my consumption of grains was reduced by 95% and oh. I was just coincidentally gluten-free. Okay. So right? yeah, no one said so, let's be gluten-free. You actually personally found that diet, like the natural, nobody guided right. you to it. And then, Correct. so you probably would have never put the link together. You, you knew the diet helped, but you didn't know maybe one particular food might have been really a big right. factor. And it turned out right. to be for you wheat or gluten. Cause you're, are you now, Correct. are you, I'm actually really curious now. Cause you, we, we started this whole thing off with yeah. gluten versus wheat. Are you gluten and wheat or are you just gluten? Yes. You're gluten and wheat. I'm gluten sensitive and I'm, and I'm wheat sensitive. Yeah. And no, I, I was going to say, I've never, I've never seen someone on paper when I run the labs who's not sensitive to both, right? I mean, okay. if you're gluten sensitive, you're also wheat sensitive. Okay. You don't have to be. I'm sure there's someone, there's, there's some unicorn out there who might not be, <laughs> but I haven't seen it in my practice. Oh, I misunderstood yeah. that in a conversation we had once. Then. Okay. That's great. Good for our listeners. I mean, it, yes. it's, it's possible apparently, but then in your experience, which is pretty good at this point, then, okay, you usually do see them together. Yes. Okay. Great. I have to say though, huh. that I have seen women who are sensitive to the non-gluten parts of wheat and to the lectin part of wheat 
but not to the gluten parts of And wheat. you've shared that. So if they're if they are sensitive yes. to gluten, usually it's also the wheat. But if it could just be the the lectins yes. and the wheat part, but not the gluten. Okay. And that's Correct. not celiac because celiac specifically gluten right. and then it gets missed. Right. And celiac is specifically um, an autoimmune reaction in the gut. So when they test you for celiac disease, they're not really testing you for gluten sensitivity. They're testing you for antibodies to transglutaminase 2, um, endomesial, and maybe deaminated gliadin. But those three These are very things, fancy words, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they're very specific to celiac disease. Okay. So in order, to, in order to catch someone with full-blown celiac disease, someone has to have so much gut damage that they have those antibodies, Ooh. right? Yeah. So it's, it's really possible for people with celiac disease to go undiagnosed, even if they get the standard testing. Yeah. Yeah. This is super, super interesting. So it sounds like you healed yourself. You were on that diet and I guess you got off of it. You didn't have the IC come back. Was your psoriasis also better? At yeah, that point? Uh, the psoriasis definitely got you better um, on that diet. And then, you know, as most of us do with therapeutic diets, we kind of go off of them for a while. And, and so <laughs> yeah, I noticed right? other symptoms, you know, other symptoms yeah, yeah. coming back. Um, when I shifted off of the body ecology diet, yeah, I started getting this pain in, in my stomach, the very pinpointed pain, um, which sent me to the GI doc. But in acupuncture school also, I got exposed to the paleo diet. So then I transitioned to the paleo diet, and this was before my diagnosis, Um, and lo and behold, yeah, I'm feeling loads better, right? Everything gets better. Well, hello, it's grain-free, right? So after I got my diagnosis, it was like, oh, okay, totally makes sense why I would feel so much better on those diets, right? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it was was very, very interesting. Um, it, It literally took me from my first panic attack to my diagnosis. Um, I'd say 20 years to get my diagnosis. And of course, what's amazing is, I mean, when you work with someone, how long do you work with them now? Like what's their healing pathway like? Yeah. Maybe um, average. Minimum of three months. Okay. Average is about eight months, Uh something like that. I mean, the goal in my practice is I really want you to be able to take the ball and run with it. I don't want women to need me, right? It's like, I want to give you all the education and the testing and let's get it together for you, right? So that you can take control and then you can thrive in your life. And then most women come back to me on an annual basis to run the labs again, because I really believe in that. I think no matter how good your diet is, no matter how vigilant you are, just like anyone with a thyroid issue, they run thyroid labs once a year, right? At least to look at their numbers. Sure. Same is true for, for gluten sensitivity. You have to run those labs once a year just to make sure nothing's sneaking in, you know, to make sure your immune system is still settled down. Yeah. So you like the life that you lived and your vigilance for health and belief in it. I mean, you took a 20 year process and have boiled it down for someone for, you know, I know sometimes I work with clients and they're like, how long will it take? You're like, ah, six, six months to a year for healing 
three months for usually like a significant improvement in how you feel, but you got to continue it for yeah. a while to really like sustain it. So the body's like, got it, you know, I'm good. Right. And what I always tell my clients is like, you know, this took me, it took me about four years to figure my stuff out. Now that feels fast compared to 20, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> and right. so, I mean, your work is just so beautiful. It's so exciting. And I know that you even have, and we'll talk about this again at the end, but you have basically a mini course on how to have a gluten-free household where you put in all those mm-hmm. like sneaky things that um, I'm yeah. sure might be really hard to catch over, like can share them all right now, but you do have a mini course for anybody who is interested yes. and, and you, where you just download all that information. Right. And Allison, I want to, I want to say to your listeners, that's so critical because I can't tell you how many times in my practice I have seen the most vigilant people who are, are gluten-free. They're doing everything right. And, you know, they're ticking all the boxes, but other people in their house are still eating gluten. And when we run the labs, they come back with evidence of contamination. And the thing is, is that for the most part, Um, these mostly women, these women are feeling a lot better, but they still have lingering symptoms, but they're a hundred percent convinced that they are a hundred percent gluten-free. And then when we find out on paper that they're not, it's really telling because it it shows you the power of even micro exposures, Hmm. right? And I think for, for a lot of people when they're gluten sensitive, I'll hear stuff like, oh, okay, well, every time I eat gluten, I have profuse diarrhea or I get a migraine or, you know, so I know when I'm contaminated. Okay. Well, that might be for a certain dose yeah, of gluten. Sure. Right? But the dose makes the poison. So if you get a little crumb that's left on a cutting board, you know, or, or even something smaller than that, something you couldn't even identify as a crumb. Well, the threshold for that dose, maybe that's not enough to give you that typical trigger that you can sense. Right, 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 right. right. But it's still doing something to your immune system. So, and, and right now, I mean, there's no way for any of us to test to see what our personal safety threshold is for parts per million of gluten exposure. But my point with clients is that micro exposures matter and you don't necessarily know when they happen. That's why we have to look at it on paper and make sure that it's not going on. What would you suggest, um, Whitney? Because I know that like I work with people with GI stuff and I work with people Mm -hmm. with lots of symptoms and, um, you know, I'm curious from your perspective, like how often would you run a a gluten test on somebody who's having, like when you said you had a a client who, or actually I I have, you know, I've had clients with IC, interstitial society Mm -hmm. or anxiety and stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. would you just run it at the beginning? Like, cause I'm sure someone's listening and and like, they might be freaking out like, oh my gosh, is it the gluten? Or I don't know if I want to, I even want to take that test. And what would you say to that listener to, um, how would you guide someone who's maybe not never even considered if it's gluten? Right. Well, I think no matter where you are, whether you're gluten-free already or you're still having gluten every once in a while or, or you're eating gluten every day, it doesn't really matter. Do the test because the test is going to orient you. It's, it's like pulling out a map and if you're lost, right? At least when you pull out that map, you now can orient yourself and figure out where you are right? Where are you starting from? So I always test people in the beginning. Anyone who works with me gets this test done. Right. I mean, that's, 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 that's non-negotiable. <laughs> right. right. So now 
let's say I do run into a unicorn and I do this test and they're perfectly in the green. Everything is fine, right? No reactions whatsoever. Then I'll say once a year run this, okay? But most women, all women so far, when I run the test, they are getting some level of exposure. So then we have to do the deep work of where is it coming from, right? Is it, and, and we have to see, you know, is it IgA exposure, IgG exposure? Is it every day? Is it maybe you got the once in a blue moon thing because you went out to a restaurant? You can kind of start to tell that story when you're looking at these results. You, mm. I can see whether or not this is probably a daily thing. So you start to investigate. That's it's valuable. And that's yeah, it's, be, super valuable. Because in some ways, it's not even what I like what you just said is it's not just like getting this test and then just panicking because you're like, oh my gosh, how much gluten am I eating? But because right. they have someone like you who's experienced in, in looking at this lab test result, you can even get it. Sounds like you get a feel for like, actually, like you're. Yeah probably not getting it every day. And then you can just probably do this really great guidance. I'm sure is the benefit of working with you, like, and why people should work with professionals. Cause I know like yeah. when I was sick, I was kind of like, can't I just find an online diet and follow it myself? <laughs> like, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I love what you just said. Like that's comforting to me. I mean, I remember my own gut health journey. If someone could have said like, Hey, patted me on the back and even said, Hey, you're actually doing pretty good. Like I would have paid money for that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and, 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 and then, right. And then guidance, like just look at these three places or whatever, yes. you know? <laughs> yes. Like uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say you've got someone who um, lives in a gluten-free house or, or thinks they do, but they go out to eat once a month. Right. And we run the labs and they've got a lot of antibodies to gluten and to wheat, but they're all IgG antibodies, which are the ones okay. that stick around for a long time, um, but no IgA antibodies whatsoever. Well, then based on the story they're telling me about their life, and what I'm looking at on paper, I can make a pretty good educated guess that that restaurant is a problem for you, you know? So let's, let's do an experiment. You just live in your gluten-free house for the next three months. Don't go out to that restaurant or any restaurant let's run the lab again. Mm. And if you are clean, then we know, yeah, dining out, at least there, wherever you dine out is not a good idea. I love right? that. So, and yeah. I don't even know, I, I bet a lot of our listeners don't know that you have that IgG and then the IgA that they have different like kind of time capsules, um, yeah. To, yeah. Uh, time timing on them. And so, uh, yeah. and, and I actually, I know that that's becoming more common terminology. So our listeners might be familiar with those being a huge way that we measure our immune response. But uh, that is less common information, I'm sure. So I'm glad that we uh, shared that. So cool. fun little fact. Um, <laughs> you've already mentioned, I feel like you've, you've mentioned your own life and you've mentioned some of your other clients, like what they come in with. I'm really curious, like, what are a few of your favorite testimonials of clients you've worked with? Just like either big turnarounds or mm -hmm. just aha moments. Uh, I'd love to hear a few. Well, actually, I'd love to tell you, because it's a little bit longer, one particular story because it's I'm really ready. fascinating. So yes. <laughs> um, I, had a I had a client, let's, let's call her Carolyn. Uh, she was a critical care nurse. And so she had a lot of, you know, hands-on jobs she had to do with all of her patients and worked very long hours. And she um, was having this very debilitating and painful rash all over her hands, kind of eczema-like, but a little bit more inflamed and weepy 
right? And so, and she has to, had to wash her hands all the time, right? In her job, which would make it worse because all the soap and the different, and she had to deal with alcohol and things like that. So she was just a wreck, right? Ow, ow, ow. Well, (laughs) interestingly, um, she lived for six months out of the year in, in another country and then six months in the U.S. And what she told me is when she went to her country of origin, um, her, her home country, everything cleared up and everything was fine. And then when she come back here, boom, right? So I ran all of the tests and yes, we found that she was highly, highly reactive to wheat and gluten off the charts, immune response, a did lot of or- antibodies. Did she already know that? No. Okay. So she, that was new, new information. That was new. <laughs> she, she didn't have any gastrointestinal complaints whatsoever. Okay. So I put her on a very particular detox um, while we were waiting for these lab results. We didn't make any dietary changes whatsoever. But on this detox, she got like about an 80% clear of her symptoms. So she was really happy. And then when we got the test results back and she shifted to more of a paleo diet, her symptoms went into remission completely, right? And so she was thrilled. But then her question to me was, well, I don't understand that because when I go, you know, to my home country, I'm eating wheat all the time, right? But the country that she was going to, very clean, very small, very agricultural, just kind of, you know, not, not an American experience. And by clean, tell me, tell me what you mean. Tell the listeners what you mean by clean. I'd say, you know, um, less toxic environment, less chemicals, no glyphosate, right? What's glyphosate? Yeah. Glyphosate is, is basically Roundup, right? And and it's, it's what we use um, all over the place in agriculture. And it's used also um, to kind of flash dry uh, wheat crops at harvesting. So your wheat. Wait, gly- and, you know, glyphosate is used glyphosate. to flash straight? Yeah. Kind flash of like, dry? Oh gosh. Kind of flash dry it. Yeah. That's scary. It is scary. So, um, so yeah, any wheat that you eat in the U.S. is typically loaded with that stuff, right? Ooh. So my best educated guess was, okay, gluten over there seems to be okay for you. Gluten over here, bad, Right. What's the difference? Well, there are other variables that were tipping the scale. It's like, hmm. you know, we all have our thresholds for tolerance in terms of toxicity and immune response. So she was coming back over here and just the wheels were falling off the bus. So we did an experiment. When she went home, she just went back to her normal way of eating, wheat and everything. She was perfectly fine. And then a month before returning back to the U.S., she went through the, the month detox that I'd done with her before, shifted back to a paleo diet, kind of preparing herself for coming back to the U.S. And then when she gets here, she maintains that paleo diet and then one week out of every month does a detox round. And she's able to keep all of those symptoms at bay. Now, I personally would love it if she would just be gluten-free forever, right? Because sure. it's an obvious <laughs> problem for her body. Yeah. But we were able to develop a lifestyle for her that allowed her to still take advantage of the fact that everything's fine back in her home country, right? Mm. So why be miserable, in her mind, on a gluten-free diet back there when it's kind of a big part of the culture and the family and just kind of prepare herself for coming into this more toxic environment and develop a protocol that she can maintain while she's here for six months that keeps her symptom-free. So it was just a very, very cool experience that I, I found personally quite illuminating about the country in which 
we live. Right. (laughs) How powerful that is. And in fact, I had another FDN practitioner that I was consulting with who had a very similar story about one of his clients who moved from Germany to here like 10 years ago. And as soon as she moved here, her health just deteriorated. Right. She was in perfect health in Germany. And then everything happened to her here. It's like, yeah. And he's like, what do you think the problem is? I'm like, well, maybe it's, she needs to move back to Germany. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, and I, I honestly, I'm in the, I'm in a boat where I've had a lot of friends travel to Italy or mm-hmm. other places in Europe. And they, they'd say like, magically I can eat cheese and magically yes. I can eat, I can eat wheat and stuff. And, uh, there's kind yep. of been this mysticism of like, is it just in our heads? Is it cause we're on vacation and less stressed? Um, or yeah. are they really probably pouring less toxins? I mean, America, is very liberal with um, what we do. And we have fewer regulations than other countries on. I actually visited Switzerland when I was in high school. And I remember it was the time of year where they put manure on all of the grass, uh, like real manure. (laughs) And so like we get down into the valley and it's like you're driving and you're not, you don't, you can't even see a farm, but it's like whoosh, just all the manure everywhere. And it's just supernatural, at least there in Switzerland where we were at. So um, not fertilizer. They chose the smelly route. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that means super interesting. And then, and with that client, I want to backtrack. Like that client's main thing, and it sounds like it was intense, but the main thing was skin, right? Yes. Yes. Very, very common. Yeah, very common with gluten sensitivity that it manifests in the skin. You've also said that with gluten sensitivity, it really affects ner- the neural health as well, right? You know, like, yeah, which yeah. I've heard a little bit, but tell us more about that real quick. Yeah. In fact, even though we associate um, gluten sensitivity with like GI distress, it affects neurological tissue more than it does gut tissue statistically, you know, statistically. So, okay. Yeah. So if you think about things like um, depression, anxiety, migraines, panic attacks, you know, various mental health diagnoses, um, dementia, things like that, all of those things. And then, of course, you have your neurological autoimmunity, like multiple sclerosis, right, Um, gluten ataxia, um, things that affect the nervous system. Uh, What's gluten ataxia real quick? Um, where gluten attacks a part of the brain that controls movement and balance. Mm-hmm. And so people with gluten ataxia start getting, you know, they, they get something like drop foot maybe, and then they have difficulties maintaining balance and really putting one foot in front of the other. Um, proprioception goes off, like not really aware of where they are in space sometimes, you know, where their body is in space. And so they're Super far less yeah. stable. Yeah, really, really interesting. So, um, and but it makes a lot of sense because um, so many different parts of the wheat protein have kind of this affinity for neurological tissue, huh. and and there's molecular mimicry, and then um, blood-brain barrier issues, and and so you know there's just this connection between the gut and the brain anyway. Um, so it makes sense to me that gluten sensitivity would show up in the brain just as much, if not more, um, than in the gut. 
Wow. So right now I'm feeling, I mean, you've actually uh, encouraged me to get my gluten check because I have a family Yay! history. I'm, I know. Well, the, and I'll, I'll even tell the listener, like I have a big family history of a lot of men, mental health problems. And we've done a very, we've been vigilant, like getting counseling and like getting medication and like even considering bringing in spiritual practices and just yes. trying to be like whole person about our mental health. Um, and yet like just feeling like you're always like behind the ball and just like, okay, I just yeah. feel crappy today. And so, I mean, I'm going to check it out if anything for my kids. Cause I, you know, have a higher likelihood oh, yeah. if I have that, like, I don't want them to, I've always had, um, a mysterious, like I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression in sixth grade. And when it was diagnosed in sixth grade, I had this aha moment of, first off, I thought everyone felt that way. Like, I, right? And right. then, because as a kid, you just don't know any better. And then second off, I was like, oh, I felt this way for almost forever. And so, um, I mean, I'm going to, I haven't checked it out, so I can't, can't tell any results on here, but I'm sure I'll share it on the podcast in the future. Listeners, watch out. Yeah, but, that'd be um, awesome. I know. The other thing that I feel like I've had an aha is I, I admittedly, for being a health person, have been reluctant to go organic. I feel so ashamed to say that. That's podcasts are for for real, for realness. This is getting raw. I'm I'm just (laughs) hesitant. Um, And so even hearing you say like they dry the wheat with a toxin, um, like that Roundup, because Roundup is uh, like we put it on our grass, right? It's even available on for for lawns, like, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Glyphosate is one of the main ingredients, I guess. Okay, and here's something that I know that I learned a while ago, but uh, I don't know if you've actually studied or heard any of this, Whitney, but um, when they look at where a majority of like runoff uh, of toxins come from, it is not from industry. It's actually from homes because they make our fertilizer, Mm -hmm. for example, or our insecticides so strong, Mm -hmm. so we get the perfect fixed lawn, but it's 10 times what we need. And when I was studying this in a biology and geology, I was studying two courses um, and they were looking at this. I was actually in a in the Black Hills, studying it specifically. They were saying that it's a little bit more regulated for our um, when you when you're a big industry like farming corn, but it's yeah. all these like little homes, all these suburbs that are like going crazy. So I personally wow. made I was like personally saying like I'm just not going to use this mm-hmm. stuff. My lawn is going to look how it's going to look, but I feel like I'm poisoning my neighbor and my grandchildren by using it if they're saying it's worse for the for the non industry use. That's um, so fascinating. Have you ever heard I, that? I hadn't heard that, but what I did hear is that golf courses are more toxic than your average commercial agricultural. Okay. And I believe that. So that makes sense because they're doing the same thing. They want these pristine lawns, right? And and they have to keep it just so. So yeah, that would make sense. Right. Well, wow. Yeah, just a food for thought for, and, yeah. and if anything, for listeners, like if you fertilize your lawn, like consider, I know that, I, I don't have a lawn yet, but like I know that there are like organic options and there's more gentle stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely something we can even consider, even just yeah. for not food we put in our body. Well, exactly. Uh, Whitney has just been so fun talking to you like gluten expert, just super interesting. It's way more than just like avoiding wheat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you have any resources available that you can share with our listeners so they can benefit from all your knowledge? 
Sure. Um, in fact, on my website at morganutrition.com um, or at uh, my link tree, which we'll put the link, put the in, the link show in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple of um, free handouts. One is a checklist for what you got to think about to establish a gluten-free house because it's not just about the food. And then the other um, freebie is um, it's a coping guide for people with gluten-related disorders because it really is, you know, th- there's very few diseases out there that require a treatment that is 24-7 and that impacts how you socialize with other people, right? Mm. So um, people that have to give up gluten go through a very unique emotional roller coaster in a sense of isolation. Yeah. Yes. Um, you dressed that quite a journey. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah. So, so this is a great handout for, for people going through it and for people who are trying to support people going through it. Because mm. I talk about how you can support other people, you know, maybe things not to say, right? Or, or, you know, not to do advice, not to give. My Um, heart is wrenching right now. Like uh, Whitney, I have to admit when I hear someone say they're a gluten expert and I know you're very, like you're very, you have high belief in what you do. I also get this feeling that it's just going to be like this really intense, like, oh, why aren't you gluten-free kind of judgmental, but like that's a beautiful resource. And clearly you're, you'd be able to walk anyone through that if they were working with you as well. Like, and that's a, that's a free yes. resource that you just that's have. A, that's a free resource. Yeah. Okay. And you're right, Allison. That's most of what I do is walking people through those really hard things, like the conversations with their family members mm. to try to get some support and it, it can be hard. It can be right, really hard. The details are like, okay, sure, cut this thing out, don't buy this. Like that's that's almost black and white, but it's all those like relational stuff. And yeah. I mean, that's that is I mean, hundred percent I feel like most of the time when I'm talking with someone about their health, they're like, I want to get better, but I don't know what it's gonna do, like how hard it will be to either my willpower or even like well, how my spouse will respond, how my parents will right. respond, um, what support I can get. So Right. Uh, even that, that, that can help people where I'm going to go download that. I'm curious what you okay. have to say. I want to support <laughs> like, I mean, just all the ways we can support, um, people who are going through diet changes. So, yeah. oh, so yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. and then where can we find you online, Whitney? Yeah. So my website is morganutrition.com. Um, I'm on Facebook under Morgan nutrition, Instagram, Morgan nutrition 24. And then you can find me on YouTube, just Whitney Morgan channel. Yeah. So what also I knew you were on YouTube or you mentioned it. What, what type of things is it just like you just talk about like tips and tricks? I haven't seen any of your videos. Yeah. You know, um, basically I do an IGTV video that I upload to YouTube every week and okay. um, I talk about it, different things. I, I spent, you know, I have four videos just on that coping, you know, the coping cycle that people oh, with gluten related disorders nice. go through. Um, I talk about gluten-free house. I talk about gluten um, sensitivity and how it's connected to other health issues, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or, or ADHD and autism or, you know, so those kinds of things. Um, the one I just did for tomorrow is about, hey, three things to eliminate from your diet. You know, so I kind of go all over the place, but everything always for me kind of mm. comes back to gluten, you know. 
So, so guys, go check out Whitney Morgan. I mean, that sounds like a phenomenal YouTube, phenomenal Instagram. Follow her, get her tips. And I'm sure that some of our listeners will want to work with you further, or at least, I mean, how could they, if someone wants to actually get your brain on their body, how could they work with you further? Well, if you go to my website, you can set up a qualifying call with me. It's free. It's 20 minutes. Um, I take three private clients a month. So I just kind of interview folks and we see if we're a good fit. Um, But if they just want to kind of dabble their toes in the water, um, the mini course that I developed, which is um, called the Gluten Gauntlet Mini Course, and it's five weeks to a gluten-free house. If they just want to get a sense of me and what it would be like to work with me, um, then check out my course. And awesome. Uh, How much know? is that course? And I know you got, you are yeah. offering a um, special, what would we call that? Um, promotion. Promotion. Yeah, yeah. They're getting it for less. Yeah. So what is it normally yes. and how much are they getting off? Sure. It's $127 and it's a five module course. Um, you can do it at your own pace. You can binge it. You can do it over five weeks. And um, for your audience, um, they're going to get $30 off if they use the promotional code BELLY30. Yeah, that's, I mean, that puts it almost right at like 100. So I feel like that's getting a lot. I am so interested in what is in your course. And well, you know, what's really cool about it, Allison, is that the course is designed so that every lesson they get to answer questions, they get to ask me questions, they get to fill out forms at the end of each lesson and to tell me what they're struggling with. And I read every single question and I respond personally. So it is a way for them to get their hand held a little bit and to see if they do have a rapport with me, right? Mm. If, if we would be a good fit. Before doing testing and all that. Yeah, so. before like, you know, paying the big bucks and like jumping all in, right? Right. But those big bucks are worth it. I know. Oh, it, so. oh yeah. <laughs> the, last, the last big bucks you'll ever have to spend. Oh, that's a good way. Oh, girl. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, the last big, it's so, that's good. Uh, well, Whitney, thank you so much for being on here. You are my yeah. gluten expert. Like, I, I mean, it's just so beautiful being a gut health expert and, and like loving what I do and knowing I've helped people, but just knowing if there's other people out there who just need the next level in specifically gluten or there's there, you know, they've got all these autoimmune and they're suspicious. Like you yeah. are just, it's such a wealth that you, you've been on here and they now are connected to you. So thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you for having me, Allison. It's been so much fun. And I, and I hope we get to chat again. Yes, we will. I'm sure. Okay. Awesome. Was Whitney's story amazing or what? I would not just have anyone onto this podcast to talk about gluten. Going gluten-free is not for everyone, and it is not a cure-all for gut health. I love how Whitney brought a nuanced understanding of how you can miss a celiac disease or wheat sensitivity diagnosis, and that even if you do have a gluten sensitivity or allergy, going gluten-free is not a cure-all for gut health. It takes a lot more, a lot of thought, and a little bit of time just to let your gut heal. If you want to talk with Whitney more about going gluten-free, you can check her out on Instagram at morgannutrition24 
following the link down in the show notes, or you can go to her Gluten Gauntlet mini course available in the show notes below. You can use the code BELLY30 for $30 off this course, which it's normally $127 as of November 2020. But with the code BELLY30, you'll get it this amazing five-week course to go gluten-free in your household for just $97. It's an amazing deal, and it is only available until December 10th, 2020. That is three weeks from today. And I would strongly recommend checking it out if going gluten-free is something you have been considering. Another way that you can connect with Whitney is by scheduling a free 20-minute qualifying call with her to see if one-to-one coaching is right for you. You can follow the link in the show notes, and I'm sure she'd love to talk with you. Well, if you love this episode, we have even more coming down the line. I encourage you to subscribe so you can catch all of our episodes. And if you listened to this episode and were thinking about that one friend, I encourage you to take a screenshot of the episode and just text to that friend. I cannot count how many times I tell someone I'm a gut health specialist that they say, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along. Or if you don't have anybody to share this with, if you could leave us a rating and review, I would be so grateful for your words. It really helps other people just like you to find this podcast and find all the tips and tricks to help them have a better gut and a better life. Other ways you can stay connected in the conversation is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. We love connecting with our listeners and it means so much if you drop by and said hi. And lastly, just a reminder about my favorite quote and a reminder for your own body. Miracles are immediate. Healing takes time.